Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. In this episode of Austin Next, we look at where we are right now, what's happening, and what's next. So now, on to our interview. Mark Nathan is an experienced leader in the startup community and a consumer connector. He assists companies with fundraising and business strategy. Mark enjoys facilitating meaningful collaborations between founders and advisors, executives, and service providers throughout several professional ecosystems. Mark is VP of Client Strategy in Egan Nelson's Emerging Technology and Venture Capital Practice Group. Mark launched the Texas Squared Startup Newsletter that covers startup news, opinions, events that affect the startup and tech community in Texas, which for me is a must read every single week. Mark is a frequent public speaker and thought leader on the topics of startups, early stage financing, and angel investment. He's an active board member, startup advisor, and mentor in numerous accelerators, co-working spaces, and startup technology community organizations. Mark, welcome to the Austin Next Podcast. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the beginning here. How'd you get your start in the startup ecosystem? I kind of fell into it like most entrepreneurs. I don't consider myself an entrepreneur personally, but I fell in love with the whole startup activity and the vibe and the understanding of how to actually exploit an idea and turn it into a profit at an early age. And I felt that when I was going to school here at University of Texas in Austin, that the world was blowing up. It was during the dot-com boom. We had this little tiny hardware company called Dell down the road that was doing quite a few things. We had a bunch of software companies coming and I felt like I was missing out in a lot of ways by going to school. And I desperately wanted to drop out. And my mother certainly said no way. There was not even a chance that I was going to get my degree. And I ended up uh, by pure dumb luck interning for my father, who was a lawyer back in Houston working on a tech company. And I've never looked back. I started a company with him back in 1998 and we ran that for seven years and my specific role was meeting with and helping grow both startups client base and their capital raise. So I've been in the matchmaking business as long as I can remember. And that's how I fell into it. And it's just, I've never looked back and I've really enjoyed it. No, that's great. And it's funny, you said you, when you started off, there was this little company called Dell, which is obviously no right. longer a little company. It wasn't little then either. <laughs> so, I mean, that's been quite a, a run here, you know, 20 plus years. How has the ecosystem changed during that time? The way I present the ecosystem, not just here in Austin, obviously Austin's the tip of the spear when it comes to Texas tech ecosystem, but really and truly, I think that Texas as a, as a, as a region has matured. We were very much an oil and gas business uh, for many, many years, as we all know, for decades because of the excess capital that the energy business spun off in the 60s and 70s, a lot of those energy companies were able to, and you'll appreciate this, Jason, fund the medical center in the Houston area, which is now the largest continuous medical center in the world. And of that medical center, they've actually introduced a number of different medical innovations. And so the energy business has always been very entrepreneurial. It's always been about wildcatters. It's always been about taking risk. It's always about, you know, will this hole in the ground turn into black gold or not? So the risk profile in Texas has always been very, very high. And in the medical field, that's also changed quite a bit. We do artificial heart here. We do all kinds of left ventricle devices. We do all kinds of different medical devices out of Texas. 
And that has translated really in the last 20 years to technology. Everybody knows that the heart of technology is Silicon Valley, it's synonymous, we all know that. However, there was a very strong concerted effort in the Austin area about 20 years ago, right at the height of the dot-com boom, to start enticing some of these larger tech companies to open up shop in Austin. And a few of those happen to be things, companies like Apple and Oracle and Salesforce and Intel and AMD all started building presence in Austin. And now that presence has expanded to full-on second headquarters for many of those organizations. Most people don't know this, but Apple, long before they had their major headquarters opening up in, uh, north of Austin, has had the second largest number of Apple employees in the world right here in Austin for years. And it's things like that that nobody really knew about or talked about. But the word that I use, and I think I mentioned it earlier, is that the Texas ecosystem is maturing. We're not mature, like let's say a New York, a Chicago, or an LA. We are very much a maturing world. Whereas Austin has been considered sort of the lanky, hippie teenager, and now it's becoming the young, hungry, business-oriented newcomer onto the corporate scene. I think the best um, summary that I heard before we moved here was in October when they were interviewing somebody, a construction supervisor at the, uh, the Gigafactory down in Southeast Austin. Mm-hmm. And um, the reporter was flabbergasted that three or four months after naming the site, they were actually, cement was being poured and steel was there. And she asks this construction supervisor about it. And he turns to her with the perfect deadpan delivery, ma'am, we are moving at the speed of Elon. How <laughs> interesting. And, and that ties into this maturing uh, ecosystem you're talking about. And Elon and Tesla and SpaceX and everybody else that's moved to Texas represents, if you will, the tip of the spear of the migration to Texas. How has that talent and company migration really changed Austin and the, the surrounding area? Oh, it's been dramatic, and I'm very glad you asked that. The change has been the pace has increased. Um, finding talent, finding tech talent, as we all know, is always going to be hard. There's no question about it. Finding tech talent in a city that is completely and totally consumed with hiring tech talent has become next to impossible. One thing I will tell you, and I, I talk to people from all over the world, all the, I, right before this phone call, I was on the phone with London looking to open up an office here for a tech cybersecurity business. And their biggest concern was not the pace of the business, not the business environment or compliance environment. It was the availability of tech talent. And because Austin has attracted so much young, smart, and frankly, uh, tech talent that works slightly cheaper than they do in Silicon Valley or New York, we've enjoyed an increasingly large gap of people coming here versus people that are in other cities that can't compete from a, from, simply from a hiring perspective. So ultimately, the way I look at it is that we have become a mecca for tech talent, and that will continue to grow like a flywheel. And it attracts people here, and it also shows that, once again, the maturity level of the companies. It used to be you just needed a front-end guy or a back-end guy. Now we're getting so specialized and we're getting so focused that these people are either being imported here or trained here, and that's why Austin will rank as what I consider to be the top of the second-tier cities for many years to come. That's great. In addition to the, that talent and obviously the companies that are creating the presence here, we're beginning to see an influx of capital through either new funds from local players like Sante Ventures and Revival sure. Healthcare, or KDT, 
mm-hmm. well as funds that are setting up shop here for the first time, 8VC, Briar, and, and iFly. Um, and even greater investment from outside players, especially after the pandemic, when they all realized that, yes, you could make an investment that was reachable via Zoom, and it didn't have to be within 20 minutes of your shop. Um, guys like Andreessen Horowitz and Lightspeed. Um, mm-hmm. What's the effect you're seeing on this changing dynamic of new capital? Two things. So you're 100% right. The last count I saw, we were at 33 separate bona fide traditional VC funds in the Austin area, with Austin area presence now. That's up dramatically. There was probably 20 funds here even two years ago. And so and all, along with all the companies you mentioned, the eight VCs of the world, which is a monster, that's uh, Joe Lonsdale coming here with Peter Thiel's money and writing checks, Jim Breyer writing checks here, former founder of Excel, now on his own. We have a handful of homegrown venture capital businesses, specifically Silverton, S3, Live Oak, and Next Coast, three of which were offshoots from a very large organization, Austin Ventures, which has essentially been the ecosystem, the only group in the ecosystem for many years. Now we're starting to see things parcel off to different various types of venture capital. We're even seeing a lot of corporate VC. Um, SAP has Sapphic Ventures, which is moving here, or Sapphire Ventures, excuse me. So they're, and they're hiring like crazy. Intel is building a brand new incubator for early stage companies here, the same way Oracle did for startups. So we're starting to see not just VC, traditional VC, we're actually starting to see a lot of corporate VC here. Boeing has one of their corporate VC members living here in Austin, focusing a lot on the Army Futures Command and what they're doing with AFWorks. Like the ability to actually attract capital is something Austin's been working on for many years, but the floodgates have now opened. And speaking of floodgates, we also have a venture fund called Floodgate Ventures, Mike Maples Jr., which is based in California, but has very deep roots to Austin and writes a lot of checks here. They have been touting the Austin area for many years. So we're seeing a huge influx of capital and really interest more than anything else. Great. I want to turn a little bit to some of our recent unicorns and near unicorns. We've got- Sunicorns. Sunicorns, okay. We've got a wide variety of, of industries that are represented. You've got Zebra and FinTech, Everly mm-hmm. Health, obviously in healthcare, yes. Firefly, one of the companies building rocket ships for us, WorkRise in the recruiting area, and even Homework. Formerly Rignet, tech. sure. Mm-hmm. What's driving this sector diversification? This is amazing. Uh, did you mention Everly Well? Yes. Good, because Everly Well is one of my favorites. I, I've known Julia for a while. I think that what they've done is nothing short of a miracle. And to speak to the concept of the diversity, the diversity is very, very simple. People have figured out how to exploit audiences. And I don't use the word exploit in any negative way. I believe that the market is available. There is no hierarchy of what you should be building here, why you should be building it here. People come to Austin for a few reasons. Number one, the lifestyle itself. People come to Austin because they like being with other people that like Austin. And I think that's very, very critical. It's not true of New York. When you go to New York, you come to make a lot of money and you have to have sharp elbows to stay there. Chicago, it's really about who you know. In places like Miami, it's about how much money you're showing off. And suddenly you could say that about Dallas, even though I'm, I'm from Houston, so I have an automatic allergy to Dallas, although being in Austin for many years, that's gone away quite a bit. My other real allergies have started here in Austin like everybody else's. But to answer your diversity question, there is so much opportunity that you can almost fall off a log and find a billion dollar business. And a lot of people are doing that. 
And I find what you said, everything from at-home take-home medical tests like Everlywell to Firefly Rockets up in the Cedar Park area uh, to Zebra, which is doing both FinTech and InsureTech and PropTech here is just absolutely massive. It is incredible the amount of activity here, but it's not concentrated in any one place because it doesn't have to be. Right. There's just so much opportunity. That's my opinion. A good opinion it is. Um, I, I want to go down a different path a little bit for a second. What do you see Austin missing? What's not here in terms of the infrastructure that needs to be here? This is going to get me in a lot of trouble, but I don't mind doing it. Uh, it's going to be controversial, so I'm just pushing you this way now before I get you know the angry tweets coming later. We're missing sophistication. That's the one thing that Austin, I believe, is missing. We have a, not a severe, but certainly a noticeable lack of financial sophistication. Most people here in Austin think you, the traditional idea of two young guys in, a hoodie, in hoodies building software, they go get funding because funding is being handed out like bus tickets when you go to the bus station. Um, and that funding is almost inevitable. It's not. And venture funding is not the only path. So from that perspective, I think that at least with my clients and the people that I'm seeing, we're starting to get a little bit more savvy about alternative types of funding and ways to run companies. One thing that I really like about Austin is we have a very deep rooted sense of bootstrapping. We like to do it ourselves before we go out and raise third party capital. The flip side of that is that we're not used to asking for money. So we don't ask for money very well. It means we either ask for overfunding of deals or underfunding of deals. And the VC community, both internally and externally, has a hard time wrapping their head around what an exit should look like because the people that are here don't know. I'll add one more thing on the sophistication side. Austin and Texas in general has incredibly strong entrepreneurs and founders. They're really very, very good. One thing that Austin and Texas in general is missing is what I consider the middle management layer. Somebody who has been a journey person, a journeyman through four or five different large companies has the experience and the inherent institutional knowledge of running, let's say, a Facebook, a Google, a Microsoft, and Amazon. Because we don't have a lot of those companies here, we don't have middle managers that know how to run the show. We've got great founders. We've got great workers. But the middle management layer are the ones that keep the trains running on time, and we don't have a lot of those. So that's just an opinion I think we're lacking. It's interesting from the perspective of taking Everlywell uh, as an example and the attraction there. So if you've seen that you know, upper management layer in the last two years, J&J, Livongo. So it has been interesting that our unicorns have started to be able to draw in that upper level talent that you will probably see additional, you know, whether they be founders or middle managers, like the, as they get to that next generation of um, of companies. I couldn't agree more. And on top of that, because we have these unicorns and unicorns, we are attracting that kind of talent. Nobody has any problem moving to Austin, but they need a reason to. Now these companies can afford some of these people from both coasts who have these very, very high and lofty expectations of equity and salary and all that. We can now afford to bring those people on and those people train their, their successors. And therefore we have people that will allow them to go to spin off companies and be middle managers at smaller, earlier stage startups. And we're now enjoying that right now. Great. One of the things that we've seen in other places 
is this cycle where talent and capital, just as you were talking about, can in essence be recycled through the system. And as exits happen, um, I've heard the term delionaires bounced around a little bit here after the, the Dell uh, public offering many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, I mean, we've got a lot of things that are happening right now. Luminex was just bought for what, 1.8, yes. 1.9 billion. And mm-hmm. uh, Bumble's IPO, 2.2 billion, the biggest IPO in Austin history. Do we see that local talent and that capital beginning to be recycled into the next generation of Austin companies? Yes, uh, emphatically, yes. We're essentially on our fourth wave of tech entrepreneurs, that boom bust cycle of start a company, Delionaires uh, either fund or start other companies. Those companies turn around and get sold or have exits, and those people create new angels to fund more deals. So Austin, in the last 20 years or so, has gone through roughly four generations of that. Um, the first two major companies, uh, let's say the the first modern technology company to really make a massive impact in Austin, was a company called Trilogy Software, and Trilogy. I couldn't tell you what they actually tried to do, but I do know that they had the smartest idea in the world. They brought in as many PhDs as they could find, and they put them in a room and said, figure it out. Uh, That company was ultimately sold. Uh, A number of those founding officers and executives went on to form other large companies. A perfect example of that uh, is a company that was ultimately bought by Expedia, a company you know as Verbo, VRBO. One of the principals, I believe, started Trilogy, and that begat uh, the Expedia buy, and then Brian Sharples, the CEO, is now doing other venture deals and his own startups. So uh, Josh Bayer, a perfect example, the founder of Capital Factory, somebody who is synonymous with Austin startups, moved to Austin based on Trilogy, recruiting him out of Carnegie Mellon. So another, another company very similar to that was called Tivoli Software, which is in the hardware space that IBM ultimately bought. And the founders of that started a number of different initiatives and a number of different investors uh, that were allowing the generations of new Austinites to actually start new companies. And so, as you said, some of these unicorns we've seen in the last uh, two years are eventually going to start spitting off other executives and other angels. And we're going to see more and more of that talent grow. That makes this sustainable. Yes. But that success leads to other issues. We saw in the Bloomberg article last week about how Austin's winning the talent war, you know, but Bumble's VP of marketing just left to go to be the CMO over at Lunch Club. That's right. Um, how do we retain that edge? How do we retain Austin being the magnet for good talent? A couple of different ways. Uh, Austin has a unique and natural beauty and a unique and natural orientation for people who like outdoor activities being very, very gregarious. I mean, Austin before COVID was very much a beer and a concert type of town. That will never change. Uh, I was actually hiking on the Greenbelt yesterday with my family. It was great. We don't have those types of things in let's say Chicago or Houston or even Dallas. So we have some natural attractors. Because of those natural attractors, we also have cultural attractors. This is a very young city. There's a very young and hungry talent pool here. Um, we tend to focus on that. That's something that we really like doing as opposed to, let's say, in Miami, for instance, which we obviously are competing in the, in the landscape of, of ideas. Miami is getting a lot of treatment right now uh, because of so many investors moving there and so many companies moving there. It's not a competition in my mind, but I do believe Austin has the infrastructure to sustain 
these types of businesses for many, many years. So how do we keep people? The way we keep people is by keeping Austin, I don't want to say keep Austin weird because that's a cliche, but we keep Austin, Austin, which means that for, you know, without getting too political, Austin's always been the blueberry and the tomato soup of Texas politically. Uh, we have to continue that type of conservative financial world and liberal social world, which is a hard balance to keep. And we have, I mean, it's fraying at the edges. Traffic is horrible. The homeless problem is a major mega problem here from a business perspective. Forget the humanity perspective. So we have to keep those things in check. And I hate to make this a Austin versus California thing, but we simply cannot import Austin, California's problems like San Francisco into Austin. It just will not be sustainable. Let's uh, look forward now to the future. Sure. So we talked a lot about kind of the recent, you know, uh, unicorns and sunicorns going down and even lower later. What are some companies that you should, we should be looking out for as the next possible unicorns? Oh, there's so many of them. I, it's like asking which is your favorite kid. Um, I have one, but I'm not going to tell you which it is. Uh, the, it's such a broad question. I wish I could answer it directly. There are so many really, really interesting companies that are either born in Austin or based in Austin. A perfect example, company that a lot of, not a lot of people talk about. It's already had its exit. It's already a big machine. Indeed.com, based here in Austin. Massive company introducing a lot of people to the Austin scene, spitting off a lot of great executives. So I look at a company like that as sort of not on the up and coming, but already here and going to use that as leverage for some other companies. Um, gosh, Stackable or stock, excuse me, Stackable is a really interesting company. I feel like I'm just going in my mind mentally through my list of clients. Every one of them is a winner in my opinion. And I feel like there's so many activities and there's so many companies that are totally off the radar. We never hear about giant companies. And also I'm going to even add this, even though you asked me what companies there are, I will tell you there's an even a, a larger category of companies that are moving to Austin or growing Austin. So when most people think of Austin, they think of tech startups. That's what we're known for. It's what we do. And within that tech world, Austin is particularly good at business to business sales. We do two things very well. We do business to business sales very, very well. And we also do customer support very, very well as a general rule here in Austin. So putting those two items aside, there's an entire market that I've been playing with for the last three years that I'm absolutely head over heels in love with. It's the consumer packaged goods market. So for those that don't know, consumer packaged goods, known mostly as CPG, is basically anything you could buy at a Target. Clothes, food, beverage, alcohol, accessories, jewelry, shoes, homeware, lighting, whatever it is. Anything you could buy in a package, you could buy over and over again. Austin has a massive, massive groundswell of brands and companies that are building in the CPG space. And the bridge between Austin Tech and Austin CPG is a category of CPG sales called direct to consumer, DTC. So perfect example, Casper mattresses, Warby Parker glasses, anything you don't have to go to a store to buy, you could buy online. We have companies left and right that are opening up shop here. A perfect example is a well-funded venture deal uh, that I actually just bought from yesterday called Made In. They make housewares and knives, knives and pots and pans. I just bought two knives for our family after a third knife that I bought uh, for a birthday gift. Those are the types of companies that are growing here. So direct to consumer, 
e-commerce platforms, those are growing like, like nobody's business. They're exponential growth and they have more room to grow. No, that's great. And, and definitely seems to be one of the, you know, those under the radar sectors that yeah. uh, hopefully we'll be hearing about soon. Absolutely. So, Mark, this has been great. So want to kind of, we tend to always like to ask uh, kind of the central question of our podcast as we kind of wrap up here. So what's next for Austin? More. So the answer in a single word is more. More talent moving here, more money moving here, more startups getting funded and growing their user base to the point where they're established entities within their industries. More recognition. One thing, Austin, we're still texting at the end of the day. So we like a lot of recognition and we get that quite a bit. The national press has really taken a shine to Austin. Uh, We have the people coming here for not just the outdoors, but also the food scene is growing here exponentially. The food scene here a few years ago was not anywhere near as good as as it is now. Uh, Even with COVID, things are coming back. More activity, more growth, more. And I think the right, I think it really is. Recognition really does build on recognition. The more times you say how great number one Austin city, people start to think of you as a number one city. And therefore we got, we have that momentum going for us. Now, that could stop on a dime if something terrible happened. If, it was catas- if a catastrophe like COVID happened, and COVID really did happen. I said this when it happened a year ago, that COVID was like dropping a nuclear bomb on South by Southwest last year, or the year before, excuse me. That was a really big deal. I don't know if Austin could take another major shock like that. We'll certainly recover and we'll certainly survive, but I think that would slow down our momentum quite a bit. Great. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.